Hey everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Artsy Fartsy Immigrants. I had a great conversation today with one of my favorite content creators. She's a comedian, musician, living in New York City. Give it up for Cassie Wilson. progress record it <laughs> recording in progress that's not bad. that sounds very realistic honestly thank you so much i think you're just gassing me up but i'll take do you that. know um there's this there's this tiktok guy who is looks very young i don't know how old he actually he looks like he could be 18 or maybe 24 mm. 25 but he um kind of does this kim kardashian uh mimicry thing he, he looks like he could be maybe hawaiian maybe think so <laughs> uh maybe also from like of some asian heritage but he looks very pretty like a very pretty young boy mm -hmm. <laughs> and he does this kim kardashian a cool voice. and normal phrase for people to say <laughs> i really don't know <laughs> he's a very pretty person um right. <laughs> and he uh, does this kim kardashian uh his like his whole channel is basically based around uh faking like spoofs of Kardashian. Anyway, I saw yeah. a, a podcast interview with him just scrolling through TikTok once and he does this, uh, this like the Siri voice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that really yeah. reminded me of that. There's a lot of like, um, I, you know, the GPSs over the years as they got a little more like advanced. I remember like, you know, being in the backseat of the minivan growing up and like, turn right on Watertown Ave. And my parents thought it was the funniest thing to like, you know, make her Australian or whatever. They're like, oh, turn rot and what a tan F, you know. Or, like, or nor, wrong tan. Yeah, they're like, nor, turn the car around. Oh, God. Or mm, nor. <laughs> you know, it's funny is uh, after I had already um, booked you to be on the podcast, my friend Linda, she's from Australia and mm. she, she lives here in Munich and she sent me one of your videos not knowing that I already knew your stuff from TikTok. And she's yeah. like, it was it was the Barbie video, yeah. And she was and she knew that we like a bunch of us had just watched it a few times. And she was like, "Is right. that is that really what I sound like?" And I was like, "Not all the time, not really." <laughs> people got really up in arms about it. Like people in the comments were so upset. They were like, "Since when is it okay to make fun of people's accents?" And I'm like, first of all, what Australians are not real people." Just to put they're it out not. There. First, I mean, no. like first of all, the accent is so out of pocket like it's such a ridiculous accent and so it's like of course i'm gonna make fun of it it's, um, it's but par also for the like, course yeah and i know it's bad i know it's like not a good impression and i know it's like very kiwi and like so over the top and it's like but that's mm, what that's the point that's what's funny yeah. about it exactly. exactly they never heard of jokes um yeah exactly no but there's there's a few people who uh, there's one guy who bases his entire channel this guy who mm -hmm. does like the um, like, I, I see the one who's like, or nor, I forgot my portfolio. You forgot your portfolio. Yeah. 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 Uh, he, and People he's, send me them all the time. Yeah. And he's not even the only one. There's like two or three guys that I see who yeah. are all about making fun of the Australian accent. And yeah. uh, come on, what it's you did was so stick. harmless. At least you had like a really, you had a really good. At least good, there was uh, a point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. at least there was a, a bit behind it. My friend Johnny came up with that concept. He was like, you should do barbie if margot robbie kept her australian accent and i was like i will be doing that right now um <laughs> love that when you do a video like that um 
uh, with more detail and how, you know, how does that compare to your other content and how, how much longer does it take you to, to make that where you're happy with it? Honestly, I am pretty quick. Like the most I'll ever do is like a few takes to get something, but I feel like once I have a concept, I'll kind of just bang it out. So like something like that doesn't really take me that much longer than something else besides like, oh, I guess I'll put on a pink shirt and like, I don't know, put on some mascara this time. Um, yeah, I don't know. It did not really not that much longer. We, uh, oh, well, first off, Cassie, welcome uh, to the podcast. Oh, thank you. And, <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> I, I really appreciate you taking the time. You're in New York and happy 9-11, by the way. Thank you so much. <laughs> what do and you do you as well? What do you do to celebrate such a special occasion? <laughs> um, I have no comment. Um, do you watch I Loose Change? Just, <laughs> I'm just working from home. I am thinking about 9/11, and um, I mean you should never it. forget. And I'm doing this podcast. You should exactly. really never forget. And I never will. I never will. You should I always be thinking about it. <laughs> six years old when it happened, so I actually do remember the day. Um, but yeah, let's not get somber. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's it snappy. It's funny. I kept thinking it was 9-11 for the past four days in a row because wow. I kept looking at the date wrong on my phone. Mm. Uh, I'm, I, I should be used to it by now. But in, in Europe, the, the day is before the. Famously. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and in general, I am used to it. But for some reason with 9-11, I kept seeing the, the day and then the nine. And then it was like September 9th. And I went, oh, it's, oh, today's nine. No, wait, that's nine, mm, nine. Wrong. And then the next day is, like, oh, but tomorrow's nine eleven. And then there's like nine. You just had so much anxiety about the day. And like, you know, you're anticipating <laughs> it so much that you're like every day well, is nine eleven. Every time it comes around, I keep thinking, this is the year they're going to get me for it. Oh, yeah. Classic. Absolutely. <laughs> I think we've all had that thought. I was six years old, but still, they're going to ask me where I was. And I'll be like, I have an alibi. What's your what's your alibi? It was my first grade classroom. <laughs> Age is not an alibi. <laughs> yeah, very true. There's some evil six year olds out there. You never know. Why do you think they're school shooters? Okay, moving on. Okay, awesome stuff. Great start. <laughs> Strong start to the pod today. God. Um, okay, sorry. So Cassie, you're in New York. You're from there. Let's let's talk like from not to not to you know start with maybe questions that you'll find a little boring at first, but from scratch, you know. Where are you from in New York and, you know, what got you into to being a comedian, to doing what you do? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, I say I'm from New York, but I'm from Connecticut. I, <laughs> yeah, I was born in New York and then uh, I was kid number two of three. My parents were like, we got to get out of here because rent is going up. Oh, you're a middle so child. I am middle child. Yes. That explains people love to say that but i don't think that's real because it's like you could say that about any if i was an oldest child people would be like oh that explains so much it's like or if i was youngest child be like oh you you just love attention you know i don't think that's real that's fair what are you a middle child <laughs> I'm the baby. why did you say no, that I'm the baby. yeah exactly like anything it's like it's like a you know a zodiac sign like anything you say like oh yeah that makes a lot of sense um that's a good point that's fair yeah. Uh, anywho, yeah. Middle child, moved to Connecticut when I was a wee babe, um, but then came back to New York pretty much as soon as I could. Um, and yeah, I went to Wesleyan, which is a college in Connecticut, um, did a lot of improv there, did a lot of like plays there. You studied um, theater there, right? Nor. I actually studied music. <laughs> um, I <laughs> Well, I was a music major, so my degrees in music um, and then, but I took like a bunch of theater classes, like as many as I 
wanted to i thought about double majoring but then if you do that you have to take like you know theater tech and like lighting classes and i was like i actually have zero interest in that so i'm just gonna take a bunch of acting classes um i was the same yeah i was the same with with theater or film like the tech Mm -hmm. stuff never interested interested me near as much yeah that's not for me um and then yeah i came to new york uh and then I honestly didn't get into comedy until like a few years after living here because I was doing a lot of theater at first. Um, And then COVID came around. I had been taking like classes at UCB. COVID came around, shut it all down. Um, And then in 2020 is when I started making TikToks. Um, And then, but I didn't want to be like, I knew I wanted to like get into like live comedy, but I didn't want to be like a TikToker who is also doing, you know, you go and see... I didn't want to be someone who like you go to see me in a show and you can tell like, oh, this person has never done stand up before or this person is only funny on the Internet or whatever. Yeah. So I knew that like the live comedy and the online comedy were going to be very separate because they're completely different mediums. So um, took like a couple stand up classes. Um, I did a bunch of like musical improv classes, which were really fun. and then did stand up one time, regular stand up, or like two times. And I was like, I think I'm bad at this and I don't like this. And then wrote a song instead. And that one went so much better. And I was like, oh, this is definitely more my speed than what I should be doing. Yeah, and I've seen I've I seen a few so of much. your of your uh, comedy songs. And, and how does it feel for you seeing the reaction? Like, what what are you hoping for when you post something that you performed live? And what's the difference between those two audiences? Yeah, it's, like, very different. I mean, it's very different, first of all, to post, like, you know, a full, like, you know, minute and a half long or three-minute clip from something. And you can only hope that people respond well online. But, again, it's not really for, like, online consumption necessarily. Um, I feel like the people who are most successful, the stand-ups online who are posting their clips online, are doing, like, crowd work bits. Or it's, like, a highly produced clip and it's their best joke from their set or something like that um i'm not like at that level like i don't have any you know misgivings about where i am uh in my career or my journey i'm still like very much starting out so it's mostly like haha here's the song i wrote hope you like it or here's like a minute of this song and you post it just to post it and then you i don't know move on but my song asked me a fucking question um about going on dates with men who uh don't ask any questions uh it like got to the front page of reddit like a while ago like six months ago or something that's crazy yeah except that the annoying thing was that they didn't like credit me they were just like (laughs) woman in brooklyn writes song and i'm like it would be so easy or imagine like it's under the subreddit of like annoying hoes (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) women who ask too many questions woman yeah (laughs) exactly um that's exactly know, what like reddit weird, would do it would like it would yeah, popularize some something subreddit. you did but under the wrong context right like misandry or something like that um <laughs> exactly. but yeah that one like had a pretty wide reach um so i was pretty happy with that and i think it's like taps into uh, an experience that has become not universal but like very common amongst um women who date men so i was happy with that one when you when you think about the inspirations um that you that you come to like the the inspiration you get for sorry let me think about the phrasing the difference between the inspiration Mm -hmm. you get for a video concept you're going to make and Mm -hmm. the inspiration for something you plan to do live how would you Mm -hmm. say those are different 
on the internet things are so quick so truly it can be like you come up with a concept you it could be just like one joke or it could be i'm gonna get three beats out of this or five beats out of this and it's gonna be 30 seconds and then it's done um because people are just consuming so much content so quickly so it's about like grabbing your attention keeping it for a few seconds and then they move on it's honestly a lot harder to come up with a concept for like a live song um i do find that figuring out the concept is the hard part because once i have it if it's a strong enough concept then i can like then the vision becomes very clear and i can just like sit down and write it um yeah i mean ask me fucking question was like one of those and then the first song that i like finished the first comedy song i finished was a one direction fan fiction song and i like had this idea of just like oh what if it was fan fiction but a song and i wrote that very quickly and i really haven't changed much over the year and a half or so that i've been performing it so it takes a lot more work to figure out a full you know three minute song um when it's live yeah it's a, it's just like meteor you have to have, you have more to have more yeah more. yeah you have to have more of a concept more like i don't know more you options like where you can take it longer yeah, yeah. yeah exactly a video you can i feel like you can have almost just one joke even but if you you can kind yep. of beat it to death from looking at it from a couple of different ways exactly and, and on stage you kind of have to have a few different things you want to hit and still look yeah, at them from people different... are gonna get bored yeah. like you're, you know famously you can't scroll away when you're there in person so you do have to like you know it's this kind of balance i think of especially with musical comedy of like giving the audience a formula and then breaking it mm-hmm. um it's like you're if it's a simple enough kind of musical concept, which like, you know, usually it's not, I'm not going absolutely off and doing experimental jazz up there or anything. <laughs> oh, uh, you know, it's it'll be like a four chord song and then you give people the concept and they mm-hmm. go, ha ha ha, and then you break it. And then, you know, a surprise laugh is, when people laugh and they sound like they didn't expect to laugh, yeah. those are kind of the most the best. fun ones. Yeah. I agree. I think as a fan and as a fellow performer, that's the best kind of laugh you can hope to ever achieve is the one they didn't mm-hmm. see coming. Um, as someone who performs, because also I was the first time I saw you performing with a with a guitar, I found that interesting too. Because I really knew you only as your video content for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, I had kind of followed your stuff on TikTok much longer than before I reached out to you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I don't know what why I chose to do that later, but TikTok, I love my fans. I'll sign anything you want. Um, <laughs> anyway, I've sent cool, I've sent please. over a few T-shirts. If you could just write <laughs> okay, all your lyrics. Awesome. Down. No, worries. no, but I was gonna say like. For me, when I was in high school, um, the biggest inspiration for me, joke writing, and also thinking about performing with a musical instrument was Dimitri Martin. That was someone who was Mm. very influential to me at the time. I don't necessarily think it's the same influence to me now, but at the time it was like, I've never, I can't, I've never thought of jokes so simple that are really like destroying my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, when you think about being a performer on stage specifically and on stage with an instrument specifically, what are the people that, um, you know, tickled your fancy and inspired you that way? I mean, there uh, people love to be like, she's female Bo Burnham. Um, Bo Burnham was like someone who is so extremely for my generation. You know, I grew up watching him on YouTube and then saw him live a couple times. Of course. Of I course. truly think he's a genius. Um, yeah, sure. And so I take a lot of inspo from him. But then also um, Catherine Cohen is a mm. New York-based comedian. She's brilliant. She has a podcast called Seek Treatment. Um, and Seek Treatment. Seek Treatment with Pat Regan. They are so, so, so funny. And she is... I've seen her live a bunch of times. Um, she's an incredible performer. Like, her stage presence is unbelievable. And... 
Her songs are just so smart. And other than that, she also has so many jokes in between. I just saw her her newest hour. Um, and I was just blown away by how much she fit into one hour of material. Um, so yeah, they're, they're like, they're more, they're not as many musical comedians, obviously, as there are just like straight stand-ups, but the ones that are out there, I feel like the ones that rise to success are kind of brilliant. Um, Morgan yeah. Jay is another one who I just saw live in New York and he was fantastic. He has a very different vibe where he'll stretch out a song to be 10 or 15 minutes long via crowd work. And that's a completely different approach Wow, yeah. because, you know, and that really going to see other musical comedians really helps me rethink about the craft, I suppose, because, you know, it's easy to get stuck in your, your own formulas where it's like, I'm yeah. going to write a three minute song and then that's it. So if I want to fill up an hour, I have to have, you know, 10 or 15 songs. And that's a huge undertaking. Yeah. It's like a whole album, you know, but like Morgan Jay is someone who will make a song 10 minutes. And then Dylan Adler is another incredible comedian who will do a 15 second song, a 30 second song, these little kind of like mini songs. And so I think it's so important if you are a performer, if you are, I don't know, a comedian or an artist in any way to like always be seeing people who you want to emulate and like gaining inspo from them because you can learn so much just from like watching your peers. I I completely agree with that. I think it's um, I find myself in such a such a drought when I haven't had the chance Mm -hmm. to um, because you can watch videos all the time and eventually you you might even run into kind of a wall where watching videos isn't helping anymore. Yeah. Because you're kind of getting numb to the whole thing. And this chemical mm-hmm. reaction in your brain isn't isn't inspiring you. It's more of like just numbing you to the other mm-hmm. things going on. Yep. Uh, and if I think seeing live performances and seeing live concerts, um, I mean, as a fellow musician too, I think like seeing a live show just gives you this sparkle of mm-hmm. like, I never thought about, you know, maybe yep. even something so small as like, oh, connecting those two chords. I just never yep. thought, oh, right. But yeah, but that works, you know, and just mm-hmm. sparking this little thing. And the the other two I thought about and just in terms of like uh, musical comedians, um, I never dove too deep into Nick Thune, but I heard good things. I saw like one special, I think. I don't know. If, I don't know. I don't know if he's canceled now. I don't know if he's not funny. <laughs> that was not the face I was making. That was me being like, I'm not familiar. Oh, okay, God. Before. I thought you were like, you like Nick Thune. I was like, how could you? I how was like, I'm you? so sorry. I feel so out of the loop since <laughs> I live in Germany. <laughs> that does happen a lot. In terms of like, you mentioned someone, it's like, oh, you're actually not like, uh, I'm not, not allowed, allowed to like anymore. It. Sorry. But do you know the, the, the Garfunkel and Oates? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Love them. Love Again, them. Yeah. another another duo that I watched so much yeah. growing up, honestly. And pure comics, like pure straight up stand ups, who are some people that really just <sighs> you go like fuck, I wish I wish I'd thought of the structure or they're so funny. Yeah, there are I mean Pat Regan from Seek Treatment is brilliant. Um and then I'm a big I like a lot of comedy podcasts. Um Yeah. Exploration Live is another one of my favorite comedy pods, and that's Charlie Bardet and Natalie Rotter Laitman. And they are both just so funny as stand ups. Um, Sam Taggart is another one who. Sam Taggart brings this like goofiness that I just love, and something that um, this other amazing comedian, Mike Falzone, once said to me was like, if you as the performer are having fun, it gives the audience permission to have fun. And I think that is so, that's been so important for me to remember to kind of like get out of my own head and be like, I am here to have fun. I'm here because I love this. And if the audience can see me 
enjoying myself, then they have permission to enjoy themselves as well. Yeah. Um, and then like a Parnan on Sherla, I think is brilliant. I'm a, I don't know. I'm, I've been, ever since I moved to New York, I've been very into the like Brooklyn alt comedy scene as it were, I suppose. So I've seen so many shows over the years and, um, I'm a just I'm a huge fan of comedy and so it's really yeah. fun for me to kind of start doing it as well um because I'm kind of a I don't know not a comedy nerd I don't want to say no, but, but that's like, good I think that's a good thing yeah so there're just there's so many that I love and I, there's I, so many people doing amazing work right now I'm so happy to to hear all these names I've never heard before because yeah. that's so cool to to finally go down a path like I mean, I listen to so many comedy podcasts too, but I, I feel like I do I do get stuck in things of like, well, that's what I know I like, so mm-hmm. I listen to those, and it's very hard for me to branch into something new mm-hmm. that I that I you know maybe wouldn't have thought of listening to or looking for. I found like so a lot of stand ups I don't even know they have podcasts until I think, well, I haven't yeah. really looked to see what the name of it might be, mm-hmm. and then finding it and going like, oh right, of course, oh my god, sure, you know, yeah, it's a really great medium, and especially listening to podcasts and then like finding like listening to the guests on those podcasts is how I've discovered a lot of comedians honestly yeah yeah it's like if they're guests on a podcast that I like then I'll go and follow them and I'll see their work and see their shows mm-hmm. what are some uh, like could you, if you had a if you had a, a long-term goal in terms of you know the classic thing and I feel like this is still pretty common for a lot of comedic types but maybe an, a long-term goal for people is to have some sort of hands-on experience with the type of television show or a film or something mm-hmm. like that what it what would be something that if you had the total creative control and all the audience you'd ever want to have the influence to do it what would you really want to be able like you know perform madison square garden or have oh. your own tv show like a tick nataro thing or conan or you know oh gosh i'm someone who it's it's hard for me to kind of think long term um because middle child i don't know i'm kidding i'm kidding <laughs> yeah that classic middle child thing because you're um, pisces i don't even know yeah and i'm always saying that um no uh okay so like i think i guess more in short term spurts so like right now i'm trying to just like write a half hour and do a half hour of material eventually i will hopefully turn that into an hour long show and then i would love to yeah. take that on the road and go to a bunch of cities and perform i love i yeah. love performing i'm a performer like through and through i mean in my day-to-day life as well um <laughs> hello freaking l but that's um, kind of responsible goals i think uh, i i feel like yeah I, I kind of understand your brain a little bit not to say that i really know you mm-hmm. so far but i do think some things you've said i i, I feel the same way it's it's easier to yeah. think in these sort of smaller shorter goals and and to not get too stressed out or too pressured by yeah, it the keeps future. them attainable yes it's like what what can i do right now what can i do in the next six months uh, instead of like, where do I want to be in 10 years? Because I have no idea. And there's, yeah, there's no path for, there's no one path for comedians. Um, and especially not for like content creators because this field is still so new. So, you know, I see people doing things that I think are really interesting and really cool. And so it's like, oh, that's one direction. Shout out that I could, you know, maybe take this type of work. Um, but really I want to focus on like, figuring out my half hour and then my hour and then taking that on the road. If someone wants to make that into a special and blast it out for the world to see, that sounds good to me. Um, and then, yeah, I could definitely see myself like, mm, ah, yeah, I don't know. TV is of some kind. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, I, I, I feel like I have this like duality in me of like, 
why not me has always been that's something that like my mother instilled in me is like why why shouldn't it be you for whatever thing you're thinking about whatever goal you have is like why not me everyone is just a person yeah one one person is not more deserving of success or whatever than another person so why not me but also this other part of me is like well who would ever want to put me on tv you know what i mean or like i you know this like imposter syndrome of like oh i could never do that so i really try to focus on the why not me mm, part of my brain so but again it's It's a healthier option probably yeah probably to just be a little bit delulu in like a good way i mean i think entertainers kind of just have to be a little yeah delusional. absolutely i, I mean, mean you have you you have to have you have to think that you have something to say that is worth listening to yeah otherwise what are we doing here and so i think like you have to have a strong sense of self and some people i think think that is ego but i disagree i think it's like you need to have a healthy sense of self and a healthy sense of like what I'm saying is worthwhile. Um, it's worth watching. If I want people to buy tickets to something, I certainly hope that I will make that worth their time and that I will yes. give them a good time and you know make them laugh or make them think. Yeah, it's a care. It's a care for those who are actually enjoying what you do. You, uh, yeah. I, th- I think we feel the same way on that, that anybody who is a new follow or who comments even something, just a heart emoji or shares it once, mm-hmm. it's like that attention and that mm-hmm. that enjoyment of something you're creating means so much yeah you know, i mean attention is all we have like yeah and to keep someone's attention for 30 seconds or for three minutes or for an hour is in a way it's like respecting that person's time right and, and that's the, also yeah. what i wanted to do when i like fig- was trying to think about like what do i want my live comedy to be i don't want if someone buys a ticket to a show that i'm in i don't want them to think I went and saw a TikToker that I follow and she sucked and she like didn't know how to do this live comedy. Like I, you know, people do stand up for years and years and years before they find any kind of success. And I, since I kind of have like a platform, it is this kind of scary thing. This is where some of my imposter syndrome comes from is like, do I actually have the experience to back this up? This like live comedy experience to back this up? Because, yes, I have a platform and therefore people are more willing to like book me on a show or even like come see me on a show. So I really I feel like I have to work harder, kind of faster because I've I feel like in a way I've skipped the line. You know what I mean? In terms of like because I have a platform, people are more willing to book me on something. Mm -hmm. And so I really have to make sure that I'm that you deliver. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, but I think it, I do. I think you I do think too. I'm good at what I do. <laughs> I think it shows that you're. I mean, you're, I think you're doing well, and it's growing. And I mean, I think it, yeah. it shows. It show. I mean, imposter syndrome is something I think we both really deeply understand. But mm-hmm. um, but it also shows that you're doing well, and I think it's working. But I feel like in the same way that like a you know professional weightlifter needs to do some serious stretches mm-hmm. every time that before they go lift something incredible entertainers at whatever platform they may be entertaining in need to have a kind of delusion yeah you know otherwise they won't be able to like i had a conversation with i don't know if you know this content creator laura ramoso but she's oh yeah so funny huge fan she's she's amazing and she she came on the podcast too and, and we had this chat about um we both came to the conclusion in a funny way that like when we're making our videos we have to make them completely alone because we mm-hmm. we can't be as ridiculous as we need to be yep 
unless we can do it unless we're doing it alone and then at the end it's like yeah but if if i'm if i'm pushing it as far and as hard and as stupid as i can alone then the end product that i want you to see is like worth your time yep exactly then it's like then i deleted four takes and like Mm -hmm. exactly knew when to push in and exactly when to cut and it people don't see for for bigger things maybe like your barbie video or other or your songs or mm-hmm. um the things i've done like the people don't see how much care even on even on sometimes just quick ideas how much care goes mm-hmm. into it yeah and i think even if you don't if you're not spending you know hours and hours making a 30 second video that care comes through because we've been doing it for however long like i've right, been making right. short form videos even if it's not on tiktok or instagram i used to you know i was on youtube when starting when i was like 13 was making like youtube videos for no one essentially um I and still then do. you know I still make them for no one <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then like on snapchat in college you know it was like oh how can i make my snap story funny and engaging and so it's like over time you do like build these skills and so you know, even if you're making a 30 second video and it only takes you, you know, three takes or one take or whatever, over time you've gained those skills. And so that's, those are the kind of muscles I think that you're flexing in those moments. We yeah. keep going back to muscles. I don't know. I am extremely ripped right now. So I think that's probably also why weightlifting is on the mind. <laughs> For a second, I thought you said muzzles like on dogs. And I was like, I don't remember bringing that muscles, up. Muscles, muscles, muscles. muscles. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll second that that the tank top is popping off of that jacked back. You're 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 flushing in our face right now. Absolutely. Um, I like the skull and crossbone tattoo as well. So that's not what it is, but thank you so much. <laughs> it's actually the twin towers. Things. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> um, I, on our first uh, phone call, you talked about when you were studying theater. Your first passion was maybe even becoming a dramatic um, actress of sorts. Would you still have interest in that if the, if the option came up for that? So the theater that I used to do was actually not on the performing end. I was a um, composer and uh, music director for musicals. So I wrote a couple of musicals um, and then had a production of one of them. My like first year in New York when I was like 23 was off Broadway. Um, and that was a real like life comes at you fast moment where my writing partner and I... Um, submitted our show to a bunch of musicals and we got into kind of the biggest festival that we wait did i say submitted to a bunch of musicals we submitted our musical to a bunch of festivals and we got into the biggest one that we submitted it to and then suddenly we had to get a creative team together and cast it and the biggest challenge was raising all the money for it so we had to self-produce so we had to raise sixty thousand dollars in three months and i was 23 years old and i had no idea how to do that um wow. what year was this so that was this was 2018 yeah and we did it we did it somehow um and i learned a ton from that and i also learned through that and then a couple other like music gigs that i had over the next year in terms of like i was music directing or i was assisting music directors or orchestrators um and i love theater in a way and i really loved the musical that we wrote, but I did not love the theater industry itself. Um, It's one of those classic industries where you're expected to work for little or no money and you do it for the love of the game. Um, And people get away with paying people nothing because so many people want to be in the industry. So if you say no to this like very small stipend 
someone else is right behind you to take your place. And I really didn't like that because I was like, even back then, I was like, wow, I really feel like I should be being paid for my labor. Not really sure what's happening here. You know, if I'm working six days a week and getting paid $500 a week before taxes, that's not something that you can live on in New York um, or probably anywhere. So I kind of pivoted and started to get normal jobs and started to do comedy, um, which famously everyone gets rich by doing brooklyn alt comedy (laughs) yeah exactly that's the number one path (laughs) tons of money there's too many people doing it honestly this just yeah sometimes people offer me a fee that's too high and i'm like stop you guys you need this money definitely have never lost money doing a show that's not something that's ever happened (laughs) never creators frequently never never go in the minus yep Uh, that's why i have so many charities in our names i've actually filed a few new charities during this call uh that's so beautiful thank you so much i knew you'd want it world i knew you'd want it and i do and i do (laughs) but i mean someone in that position like how do you just i mean you must have had this crazy itch inside of you to pursue comedy anyway because you can't just be in that position position and go well theater's not working out guess i'll be a stand-up you know it's like how else can i be poor you you probably right you know i mean there was always kind of this like uh inside you are two wolves is that what it is i mean it was this it was kind of this choice that i made right out of college of like theater kind of fell into my lap in a way i never planned on like being a composer music director i honestly didn't even really know that people were still making theater as like embarrassing as that might sound i was just so out of touch with the theater world you don't follow josh groban's tiktok (laughs) i mean tiktok did not exist back then (laughs) just gonna say that um So, yeah, but I I did always have this feeling when I was, like, teaching people a song or writing a song or whatever and, like, watching other people perform it. That was such a joy to have extremely talented actors and performers perform my music, our music, our our musical. Um, Yeah. And that was a really amazing, powerful thing, and I would never change that. And I never had the desire to be like, that should be me up there because I'm not, like, a strong enough singer to, like, be in musicals. Um, But I did have this sense of, like, maybe watching actors on a show that I was assisting where I was like, man, I do miss performing. I do. I would love to be not behind the scenes anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. So there was like a very kind of intentional pivot and it was very scary to stop trying to work in theater, get kind of like normie jobs and then decide, okay, I'm going to take some comedy classes on the side, maybe start making TikToks and like see where that goes. Um, so that was scary, but I'm glad I did it. I think I think it's very good that you did that pivot. And I yeah. think a lot of people in, have a pivot at some point in their life, even when they're not sure exactly mm-hmm. what the pivot means or what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you, I, I, I would just ask so that I'm that I'm aware of it. What exactly mm-hmm. would you consider your strongest musical capabilities? I mean, coming from someone who, like, I'm a songwriter, and I would mm-hmm. say the only really strength I probably have, I have a really uh, I, I'm best at guitar. I wouldn't say I'm a great guitarist, mm-hmm. but I'm best at that. If you had to put me in a room of different instruments. So I'd mm-hmm. say like guitar, like finger picking. Um, and I, I really do take pride in, in my song structuring and lyrics, but that's it. I wouldn't say like, mm-hmm. but I'm also a great pianist and great. I'm like yeah. very mediocre at the other things. What would you say as, you know, as someone who's composed, I mean, that's, that's yeah. quite a feat. What would you say your best strengths are in music? Definitely. Uh, I mean, as of, four or five years ago I would say composing and arranging um I did a lot of acapella in college and I was like very 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 into the arrangements that I would do 
um, either for my acapella groups or for the acapella covers that I would post on YouTube way back in the day. Are they still up, um, by the way? Uh, some of them are. I've put a bunch of videos on private because they are simply too embarrassing for me to look at. But yeah, a lot of acapella covers still do, uh, still do exist out there. Um, but Those links yeah. are in the description, guys. Those links yep. are in the show notes. Feel free to go <laughs> check it out. Um, but yeah, no, composing and arranging, um, like doing vocal arrangements was definitely my strength back then. And now it's like, I don't really do that as much anymore. I still love it and I still... You know, I sing in groups sometimes, and that's like a joy that I get. Yeah. Um, and now I'm just like a solid instrument. You know, I'm I'm pretty good at guitar. I'm pretty good at piano, and I'm a pretty good songwriter. So yeah, I don't know. It all it, it's all changed a lot over the years. If you like, if you hadn't pursued comedy in the way that you did, but instead tried to pursue music in a different way from the way that you mm -hmm. started, where would you like to have seen yourself as a musician, like in a band or composing for something else? Probably as like a folksy singer songwriter. I used to write a lot of kind of sad folksy songs um so and you're I bo did, burnham I, and your phoebe bridgers yeah it's whatever um i'm kind of both sides of a power couple i would say um i yeah i mean like and i i'm still really like proud of those songs but i i also remember like this very poignant moment that i had when i was like doing a show i didn't like do a lot of shows like as a musician but the couple that I did, I think I was like 18 or 19 or 20 and I was like doing a show and I was like singing all these sad songs. And then in between the songs, I would be like bantering with the audience and like trying to make them laugh. And I was like, oh, that's actually something I should take note of where it's like, I actually don't want to make people sad. I would like to make people laugh and make them happy instead. So, but it would have, if I didn't have that kind of drive or desire, I probably would have been like folksy yeah yeah when you were in college uh did you have that sort of part of you that sat under the tree in the in the quad with the book and listened to jose gonzalez and imagined what kind of soundtrack you'd write for an indie film actually what it was was i was in an eastern european folk singing group called slave which means songbird in bulgarian did um, not so see that coming. That, <laughs> that was more my vibe um <laughs> And we still sing together sometimes. So that that group was like very powerful for me. Yeah, it's the most Wesleyan thing in the entire world. It's like very crunchy, wow. um, but do you have really e amazing. Do you have Eastern European roots in your heritage and stuff? I don't. I have um, some family that's Russian. Um, my aunt married a Russian. And so I have a Russian uh, uncle and cousin, but I myself am not Eastern European. Um, do you know what? Do you but know, I, if you're, has your family ever 23 in Mead? Do you know how far back, like, where your, fam your roots are? We go? have not. I'm probably like a quarter Italian, three quarters, like, we're a random white chick. Like, who really knows? Waspy, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> what? Waspy. I think I've asked my dad before when I was a kid. I was like, Dad, what are we? And he was kind of like, I don't know, and who cares? And I was like, Great, good talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i say to myself every time i look in the mirror no one knows right. you and no one cares about you <laughs> and it's fine <laughs> anyway tiktok yeah. guys i'm gonna end the live now so <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this has been your daily affirmations oh man um i what was i gonna say next i um oh so when you, so that was your musical strengths and when you what was the first uh, couple of videos that you started putting out where you like starting out going into this medium, making TikToks? Um, you were initially you were at the same time you were posting to Instagram, right? Or did you do that later? I did that later. Um, I started just on TikTok. And then um, my friend Marley Goderer, who has worked a lot in like online content, 
we had a FaceTime where she was like, you need to, if you're going to like do this, you should do this. I'm like, start posting everywhere. And I was like, oh, it's so embarrassing to post on Instagram. She was like, do it anyway. And then I'm ultimately very glad that I listened to her. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, I think that was a good idea too. And that's how I felt about it too. For a long time, it was just TikTok with the funny stuff. Yep. But, um, what was the first couple of videos in that world in, in, um, in TikTok where you saw, saw the response that you were hoping for? And was and was happy to like try and pursue it and say, hey, maybe this is working. Um, honestly, the sixth or seventh TikTok that I made ever mm-hmm. like went very viral. Um, and it was me talking in an Australian accent. It was like I I did not plan on like pursuing TikTok in any way. I was there just like as a watcher. Um, and had made a couple like you know would make one every two months, and I had like seventy eight followers like genuinely. And then I mm-hmm. made one that was like me every time I'm home alone it was just me talking to myself in an Australian accent and that (laughs) exploded and I was like oh my god it's happening it's happening it's happening and you know that got like three million views in a couple days or something and that was absolutely nuts um and then like a month later I made a video called like people who don't drink coffee and did this little format where I saw that one yeah that 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 one really kind of popped off like a lot of people saw that um kind of on different platforms i think that also was on like reddit and like snapchat and stuff like that um and the format of that one i wanted to do like uh some kind of line like a snarky little line and then i wanted to have like a bass drop of some kind like um but i couldn't figure out how to edit that i couldn't figure out how to make that um back then because i was like still very new to the platform so instead i was like what if i just do like a little laugh i think i remember like doing the dishes and then kind of laughing to myself and i was like oh what if with every line i say i just go and kind of like escalate them and that format really worked and like resonated with people um so i think that might have been the first one i think that was the first one i saw from you and that was an instant follow like that was the funniest that struck such a chord that uh so those two really popped off like very quickly and then I was like okay I guess I'll do more of this because it's really fun and you know that's still kind of what it is to me is like I want to make myself laugh and make things that I think are funny and if other people you know other people like them and other people laugh then that's great and that's really the goal is to just like be a big old goof and make people lol I feel exactly the same way about it. And I think that you're doing a really awesome job. Not that you need anybody's approval. You're doing you and it's exactly. great. Exactly. My ego is strong enough, but thank you so much. Always <laughs> nice to hear. Yeah, nice. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, okay. No, but Cassie, I know you got to go. I just wanted to say uh, once again, thank you so much for making the time. Um, it's nice to um, finally get to meet you. I've watched your videos for a long time, so I appreciate that you... Um, clicked accept on the dm and said yes let's do it yeah no worries i love my fans once again thank you so much for having me this has been so fun um a little pre-work day chat love that <laughs> i love to help ego boost my my creator friends before they go off and enjoy their 9-11s that means the world yeah and you're always saying that that is famously your favorite <laughs> that's thing. my thing yep. <laughs> uh no but cassie thank you so much it's been a load of fun i hope that um you know let's let's stay in touch for the next time that like you have um you know some some level up in your career that you're really happy to talk about i'd love to have you back on and great we can discuss it i'd really that'd be fun Whenever I have something to plug, I will be sure to hit you up and I'll be back. Plug away. Consider me Mr. Socket. Great.
That's the worst joke. <laughs> and let's go out with that one. Let's that was it. tough. That was tough. All right, let's end the call. <laughs> Thank you so much. Look at baby. The saints are coming through. And it's all over now. Artsy Farsi Immigrants, ein Podcast von John Prince und Moritz Batscheider, produziert für M94.5.